Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Brewers on Tap. A little bit tardy with our Brewers on Tap this week. We were ready to go with you for Friday's edition, but then some news hit Friday morning, and it wasn't the kind of news we wanted. It was the news that the Brewers' home opener that afternoon had been postponed, and then, of course, as the weekend wore on, we found out that the series itself would not get played against the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Brewers would not be opening up the home slate until Monday night against the Chicago White Sox at Miller Park. So a bit of a bummer of a weekend after waiting this long for baseball and after a six-game road trip, the crew was ready to open up that homestand, and then it didn't happen. But it will happen tonight, and we're excited about that. The Brewers, of course, had some news over the weekend, and the most pertinent news, the most pressing news, was the news of Lorenzo Cain opting out for the 2020 season. Certainly disappointing, but not disappointing in a sense that you're disappointed in Lorenzo Cain. This is absolutely Lorenzo Cain's decision to make. I think everybody 100% supports Lorenzo Cain and understands in the midst of a global pandemic, when you have three children and a family, this is a tough decision for a lot of these guys to deal with. And Lorenzo Cain came to summer camp, worked hard, played well through the first week of the season, but at the end of the day, understood that he wanted to be with his family and wanted to be doing what was best for them in the long run as well. And this is the decision he came to, and I think everybody in the Brewers organization was consistent in supporting him in that. In that. Now, I say disappointing because, of course, it's disappointing. He is exciting to watch play the game of baseball. He's one of those guys, as I said to somebody quickly after the news came out, that when you drive to the ballpark, you say to yourself, what's Lorenzo Cain going to do today? Because he might do something you haven't seen before. He might do something that is going to make your jaw drop onto the floor. And he already had done it this season with his base running exploits at Wrigley Field. So disappointing from the standpoint that we, selfishly, don't get to enjoy him 
enjoy watching him play the game of baseball this year. That's the part that I'm disappointed about, but I certainly understand his decision. I think everybody else does, and everybody supports him 100% in his decision. The Brewers will move on. Now Ben Gamble is going to get a lot of opportunities in center field, and Ben Gamble had a great summer camp, looked like a guy that was pushing for more playing time anyway. So it's going to be fun to see what Ben Gamble can do for the Brewers this year in center field. The other piece of news, of course, that Ryan Braun went to the 10-day IL with a infection in his finger. And so Ryan Braun, retroactive to July 30th, won't be available for a few games yet. Uh, hopefully Ryan Braun will be able to come back and be a big part of this offense moving forward. It'll be even more important with Lorenzo Kane now not being a part of the 2020 season. And the other piece of news, and this was uh, very sad news, but it looks like there's a silver lining in it, and that is that Pat Murphy, Brewers bench coach, suffered a heart attack on Saturday during a workout at Miller Park. Luckily for him, he was near the trainers. They were able to get uh, paramedics there immediately, get him to the hospital, and uh, it sounds like Pat Murphy is going to make a full recovery. That's the silver lining. As uh, scary and as tenuous of a situation as that is, the news that he is expected to make a full recovery warms your heart and uh, makes you feel good for Pat Murphy that hopefully he'll be able to be up and about and uh, be back on the bench at some point with the Brewers in the near future. We'll see. Uh, he'll have to take his time and not do it until the doctors say that it is the right thing for him to do. But I think all of our thoughts, all of our prayers have been with Pat Murphy and we hope that he can come back even stronger than before. This is a man that's incredibly connected in the game of baseball, whether it's as a college coach or as a big league coach or as an interim manager for the Padres. He has kind of seen and done it all, and uh, everybody knows Murph. And so we're all thinking of Murph and hoping that we'll get to see him back on that Brewers bench sometime here in the future. But we have a good uh, podcast for you. We're excited about it. Last week, while the Brewers were on the road, had a chance to sit down with some of the Brewers relievers and get a feel for them. And the Brewers have some interesting new names in that bullpen. One guy may not be in the bullpen for an extended amount of time because he may end up in the rotation before it's all said and done. But we're going to sit down and talk with Eric Lauer, Brewers' new lefty. Let's break it down. Hey, look, you didn't get off to the start you wanted in summer camp because you weren't there at the beginning of summer camp. But once you got cleared, uh, you really impressed and looked really good. And it carried over to your Brewers debut on Sunday against the Cubs, two and two thirds and six strikeouts. You had to feel really good about game one under your belt. Oh, yeah, it definitely felt good. Felt like the ball was coming out well. And I mean, I was just excited to get back out there and compete. You had in summer camp, uh, I think your last outing in the Blue Gold Series, you had uh, a bunch of strikeouts in that one inning that you threw, and then you went up to Appleton and threw a little bit to get yourself ramped up a little bit more before the season began. But you threw 46 pitches on Sunday. How did you feel as the game wore on? Are you feeling more and more stretched out now? Yeah, um, I'm definitely feeling like my stamina is increasing, like, um, like I can throw more and more, and that's kind of – that's kind of the goal, I think, is to get back to that uh, starter-type role. So um, the more the more innings I can get under my belt, the better I think. The better I think it'll be. You uh, looked really comfortable with the curveball specifically on Sunday. That that seems like a, a pitch that's just growing in confidence with you with every single day. Yeah, that one, uh, the curveball and the slider. I call it my power breaking ball. Yeah. Um, 
those those two um, that combination has been working really well for me just throwing guys off speed um, but yeah it's definitely it's definitely come a long way as far as shape goes so um, it's just it's just becoming more and more comfortable in a weapon that I can use how interesting has this whole situation been because you know you get traded to a new team you get a chance to get your feet wet in spring training you look really good in spring training then you have the injury then everything gets shut down and then you come back to summer camp after not seeing these guys for essentially three to four months for in a lot of cases now obviously there was Arizona at play and so there was still a little bit of baseball activity and seeing some of the guys but this is clearly unprecedented it goes without saying but how have you kind of settled into a new team amidst all of this? It's definitely been really weird, you know, because, like, everything started out so so smooth and so easy, and then it feels like everything's kind of been, like, stop and go, stop and go yeah. kind of thing. Um, but, no, every, everybody on the team's made it really easy. It's been a really easy transition as far as, like, the clubhouse goes, as far as the guys go, the coaching staff, everybody, really. Um, has made it a really easy, smooth transition for me and very, uh, very comfortable um, kind of atmosphere over here. So um, I think it's kind of allowed me to really focus on what I'm doing on the field and not have to worry about um, my anything off the field, which is which is nice because the, the less distractions you have, the better off you're going to be. And it's been it's been a great time since I've been here, even though it has been very stop and go. Two and two-thirds against the Cubs. You gave up a hit, no runs. As we said earlier, six strikeouts. Really about as good a debut as you could have asked for. And Craig Council's big on not really putting guys into specific roles and labeling that, right? Like some guys will start, some guys might not. Some guys might go back and forth in the rotation. He doesn't like to label guys a starter or a long reliever or any of those things. He calls them out getters. I know you're familiar with this by now. It's almost like he piggybacked you and Freddie Peralta a little bit in that contest. And certainly um, both of you were out there for multiple innings. Do, do you think in a, in a different season like this one, we'll see more things like that because there are more arms available and because you don't maybe always have to ask for seven innings out of the starter that you can get creative and do things like that, like piggybacking starters, like you're back in, in a ball in the Midwest league to a degree. Uh, I definitely think that, with the season being the way it is that there's definitely some things that you can do a little different this year, but um, overall, I think that you want to try to stick to a normal game plan as, as much as possible. But I know, I know my, my goal is to just be at every fifth day starter. Like I just want to be that role. That's kind of what I've been designed for. That's kind of, that's how everything that I've gone through has prepped me to do. So um, that's, that's my idea of what I want. But, um, like, like you said, counts always talks about, um, just having out getters. And if you can get outs and you can get in there and do your job, basically, I, you're going to play, you're going to help the team win. And that's pretty much the only thing that really matters. So, especially in a season like this, where, um, it's very unprecedented and just different. So, um, if you got a bunch of guys going out there that are just getting outs and just taking out innings and um, just doing their job, then I think we're going to be really successful. Well, Eric, we appreciate you giving us some time today in advance of this one tonight against the Pirates. Uh, 
a very good first time out for you. And uh, hopefully you can build on that the next time your, your name is called again. Hopefully. Thanks. Appreciate you. <laughs> you bet. And that is Eric Lauer with us here on Brewers on Tap. Of course, Eric Yardley is another guy that has pitched very well early on in the season for the Brewers. Right-hander, submariner, and um, a young guy that has a really interesting story of how he came to be in Major League Baseball. He was not drafted. He was an independent ball pitcher and found his way to the big leagues all the same. It's really a great story. I had a chance to talk to him about it last week. And Eric, you have to feel really good about your start to the season. You've been able to step in and really become a trusted arm for Craig Council right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, in a short season like this, you kind of hope to get off to a hot start so that you can, um, you know, hopefully build that trust right away, and especially being a new guy. Um, obviously, we're only, what, five games into this thing, so you never know what's going to happen, and baseball handles things differently than, you know, any other sport. But yeah, it's definitely a little bit satisfying to, to get those first three out of the out of the way and and uh, and know that I've done my job. Your journey is an interesting one to me. You were undrafted. You went to uh, the independent route for a couple of years. Then you get signed by the Padres, and you kind of work your way up through the Padres, and you make your debut last year. That's not maybe the typical path for everybody, but it's a path that shows you really were committed to this, and you were going to do everything you had to do to make it to the big leagues. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a story um, – I'd say unlike any other, especially unlike any other that everybody hears about. Um, I feel like in today's age with social media and whatnot, you hear so much about the high round draft picks and, and you don't really hear much about the guys, you know, even like Suter is a 30 something round draft pick. Um, and maybe doesn't do anything super flashy and it just kind of, you know, you enjoy the game of baseball and you keep pushing. But I had a huge help from my wife and, and my family and, and my wife's family and, and really letting me, pursue this goal rather than thinking that I had pressure to only have a couple years to try or hey you need to get a new job if this doesn't work out but uh, yeah I kind of had the freedom mentally to just go out and see how long this thing was going to last and, and now we're here so I'm forever thankful for that. You're a side armor and I, I'm always curious how guys figured out that was going to be the route for them or that was going to be the preferred style how did you discover that was going to be an effective way for you to pitch I was told it was the only way to keep a jersey on <laughs> um, basically between my sophomore and junior year at college um, the coach called and said hey man you know you're not going to pitch for us anymore if you want to um, we want to keep you around like we like having you but I mean you're not going to be any sort of effective for us. And, uh, but if you want to drop your arm slot, maybe see what happens. And I was like, well, that sucks. But if it's a chance to keep a jersey on and, and continue getting my degree and, and play baseball throughout, then, I mean, screw it, why not? And uh, now, and again, now we're here. So, you know, it's kind of crazy how things work out if you just keep going. How hard was the transition by dropping your arm and, and how much have you tweaked it over the years? Uh, so I was an infielder for most of my life, um, all through high school and then even my freshman college. And so essentially what we did was me and one of the um, position player coaches at my school, uh, we kind of just worked on almost like turning double plays, but off the slope. So 
he would like flip me a ball off the mound and I'd kind of address the rubber like I was throwing a double play ball to home plate. And that kind of gave me a, a shot to feel a little bit of what a natural arm slot would feel like from down there. And then being in Seattle, there's a lot of indoor indoor work that you have to do just because it rains all the time. And so I got tired of being uh, like a tough catch partner, just not knowing where it was going. So I basically would tape up like a square on the, on the indoor wall and go in there, put my headphones on, put some music on and just try and work through what kind of arm slot would allow me to be, I mean, just hit a, hit a big square basically, and then slowly narrow that down until it became something that was usable to get me through my junior and senior year. And then I was going to hang them up after that anyways. So I just wanted to, I wanted to compete a little bit, but as we, as we got further into my senior year and we started seeing that this thing could get real competitive, um, you know, there've been some little tweaks, but, but mainly just kind of sticking true to the course and, and see what would happen. Well, Eric, it's been a really cool story and really one of the big bright spots for this bullpen through the first week of the season. And congratulations on, on kind of carving out a nice role so far. And to your hot start, it's been fun to watch. Thank you very much. And my thanks to Eric Yardley. Maybe the most intriguing name in that Brewers bullpen is a guy that looks like he's got the late inning stuff back, that late inning magic back. David Phelps has been a really quality reliever. Over the course of his career, whether with the Mariners or with the Blue Jays or with the Cubs or with the Marlins, he's always been effective. But when he's been at his best late in games, he's had really good stuff to go with it. Well, he had Tommy John surgery before the 2018 season. Last year's first year back, put together a nice season. But he wasn't the elite guy that we've seen from him at times in the past. Last week in Pittsburgh, David Phelps, in his hometown, looked like the elite guy we've seen in the past. First experiment with the runner at second base. I can't imagine any pitcher's going to say, yeah, I liked it, but you survived it and you pitched extremely well. You retired all six batters that you faced. Was it nice to kind of get that out of the way? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, uh, I mean, this was in summer camp talking with, with Hook and Cars about, about this rule and just kind of thinking like would it be beneficial to like put us in this situation to try and work through it we obviously didn't have the time to do that because we were more focused on um just obviously getting our outings in but yeah there's a realization that you know this rule is going to impact a decent amount of games and in a 60 game season like it could be the difference in making the playoffs or not um, so, yeah, it was definitely good to get that first one all the way, and obviously coming out on the, on the right side of it was, was really good, too, for sure. I mean, there's a lot, especially when you're on the road, I think there's even more strategy involved. If your team doesn't score in the top half of the inning, depending on who's up in the order, do you consider putting the leadoff batter on, on base? Because then you can try to pitch to a double play. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can run through your mind. Is it important to – kind of understand all of that or can that actually bog you down a little bit too and maybe the most important thing is just trying to go after the hitters and get outs yeah I think it there are it's, I mean we saw it play out last night where in the first inning it's tied um and Dyson tried like the, their play was to bunt and just to play for the one run whereas in the 11th we're up one with Josh Bell leading off and at that point the two-run homer is very much in play mm -hmm. um so I think it, it really just boils down to just making pitches and executing. 
Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to be in this game for a little bit of time now, and it's not the first time I've had a runner on second with nobody out. Um, I think as, as guys work through it and pitch in the extra innings and get out of those situations, it's going to build a lot of confidence because it, it was, it's a grind. Like it's, it's a mental grind out there trying to maneuver your way through it. I mean, the, the bat to bell, we, we, you know, we throw three pitches exactly where we wanted them. We get a weak roll over to first and then you're runner on third one out. So it's a, uh, it, you, you can have guys, you know, they'll give up runs without giving up a hit or even like putting a base runner on base. So it's, it's, it's definitely the, the mental aspect of it is, is, I think, is probably the biggest hurdle to climb in it, for sure. You're healthy, and you're throwing really well right now. Uh, we've seen that in your two outings uh, already this year. And I, I think of the Gonzalez at bat in the 11th inning. Um, you know, it, it went full, but it felt like when you needed to rear back and, and give him that, that mid-90s fastball, you could find it, and he was having a hard time catching up to it. Did you feel like you were in control of that hole at bat? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I feel like it's uh, – there are options that I have um, as far as um, what we want to do. But when he swung through the first fastball, um, I had an idea that I had a, kind of that little extra gear on it last night. Um, you know, it's it's good to feel that. I, it, I didn't really have that last year. Um, the years prior, before Tommy John, it was there. Um, you know, and that was one of the things that was most frustrating about, you know, the – from a baseball perspective, having the quarantine when it happened is that I was finally hitting that kind of like honeymoon phase of, of the Tommy John recovery. And, you know, I feel like I'm there. I'm back to throwing the ball the way that I want to and the way that I've proven that I can. Um, you know, I've gotten to a point where I can really just kind of rear back and let it beat and the ball's going to do what I want it to at this point. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's encouraging, you know, the work that, that we've done, not only in camp, but the, the work that, you know, all the people behind the scenes helped me with during quarantine. It was, uh, you know, last night was, was definitely a step in the right direction for sure. I know you're excited to be a part of this club and, and, and there's so much chemistry with this group. And I know you felt that since you've been here, but what did it mean to you that in, in an important game, because every game's so important right now in a 60 game season, in extra innings, Craig Council handed you the ball for two innings and, and put that kind of trust in you. That had to make you feel great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, I uh, before Tommy John, I was you know pitching in in high leverage spots, and that's, that's obviously as far as being in the bullpen, that's where I want to be. And you know, Counts having the confidence in me after you know saw me a little bit in spring, saw me in summer camp, but a really only one outing, you know, this year, it's it, it means a lot. Obviously, it would have been. Sure, it's been very easy to just, you know, let Josh keep going. Um, but, you know, he, he gave me a chance in, in that situation. And it was, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, when, when you know the manager um, has confidence in you, it's easy to have confidence in yourself for sure. Well, David, we appreciate you giving us the time. Congratulations. That was a, a great way to, it was your second outing as a brewer, but a really great way to introduce yourself to Brewers fans and, and a tremendous outing all, all together and dealing with a lot of uh, stress that, that wasn't – it was inherited stress because runners at second base yeah. start both of those innings. So congratulations. We appreciate the time. Oh, thank you for having me. And my thanks to David Phelps for joining me here on Brewers on Tap. That is going to do it for us 
And this week's edition, we'll be back with you before the end of the week with another edition of Brewers on Tap. A little quick turnaround this week, but uh, it should be fun all the same. We're going to talk to Brent Suter a little bit on our next podcast. We're looking forward to that. And I want to remind you that we've got something new and very cool that is going on now. And it's called Clubhouse Conversations. You've heard Clubhouse Conversations on the podcast. Well, we've turned it into a larger format, interactive Zoom session with Brewers alumnus, current Brewers, front office executives, you name it, over the course of the season. Mondays and Wednesdays, live at 1230, we'll be doing interviews with different members of the Brewers, present or past. I talked to Sal Bando with our first edition of Clubhouse Conversations this week. Brent Suter is going to join me on Wednesday at 12.30 for our second edition of Clubhouse Conversations. You can listen to it live, you can watch it live on Zoom, and you can ask your own questions via the Q&A option on the Zoom webinar. So uh, be looking for that. We'll be tweeting out um, the link and everything else so you can log in and and be a part of that show as well. Should be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing that over the course of the entire season. That is going to do it for us. We will be back with you again later this week. Brewers getting ready to open up the homestand against the Chicago White Sox. Have a great day, everybody. I'm Lane Grimmie. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.